0: and hello everybody welcome back to way the truth warrior my name is david whitehead and i'm very happy to be back for a second show this week i usually only broadcast on mondays but i always use wednesdays as my flex day and uh today i have a very exciting guest i just hooked up again with the man at a recent screening of the new documentary film which is groundbreaking it's set to go viral i really hope it does it's called uninformed consent It's a bombshell. It's really, really good. I was speaking about it on Monday's show. And uh, my guest today is Dr. Chris Shaw. This is his second appearance on the show. Our last conversation was back in October 2021. And uh, he was in the process of uh, battling for his career as a professor. And of course, because of the ridiculous mandates for mandating all these government workers and workers in the universities to take part in a medical experiment course he's been let go from his position and now he's a full-time warrior for the truth for freedom for justice and he is a massive part of this film and uh, as i was watching the film i actually got to sit with him we were chatting uh his parts were great like the there were so many amazing interviews in this film of just canadian experts even some of the experts around the world that were shining a light on the truth of what's been really going on with all this scamdemic stuff and uh but i liked chris's commentary because he really brought a lot of big picture stuff into the fore a lot of good insights Uh, he's got a really really amazing and in-depth scientific background so he's very qualified to look at this he's written numerous scientific papers in his career and he smelled a rat right away and of course the minute you even raise your hand in the current climate in canada to say hey wait a minute i got some questions this isn't really science what are you guys doing Uh, You can't mandate stuff on me like this. It's uninformed consent. We need to have informed consent. And of course, they just start firing people and ridiculing people and ostracizing people. And uh, so, you know, we're just I'm so happy to have people like Chris and many of the other fantastic people that were featured in that film that are literally at the front lines here in Canada. I also got to meet Dr. Malthouse, who I'm going to be bringing on soon, Uh, met the producer of the film. Uh, hooked up with Chris Vleck, who I had on a while back. I made him a part of my series actually as well. He was the gentleman who got into exposing Vanguard and BlackRock and all that great stuff to track the money. So just a great group of people. And we all came together to watch this amazing film. And I'm going to get some more details on it and also bring the producer on, etc. cetera. But this is the first interview in this series that I'm going to be doing on Truth Warrior to help promote this film. I believe in it. It needs to get out there. And we need to learn the truth about what's going on and also talk about some ideas for solutions. Because uh, both Chris and I feel like shit's probably about to hit the fan. So we're going to pick his brain on that and so much more. So let me bring the man in. And there he is, Dr. Chris Shaw. So good to see you as always. Welcome back to the show. And thanks How for joining later. me
1: today, man. Been a pleasure. Always good.
0: Well, Maybe just for people that haven't heard of you, I've got an international audience, uh, just maybe a quick rundown on your background as a professor, and then carry on from our last discussion about what happened to you, what ended up happening, and then we can start talking about the film from there.
1: For sure. Um, Again, my name is Christopher Shaw. I am a neuroscientist. I have been at the University of British Columbia since 1988, so for quite a long time. And mostly, my work is focused on neurological diseases, the onset, the triggers, and ideally, you know, we're, we're trying to hope we hoping we can find some sort of early phase therapeutic once we are able to detect the disease in its early stages. So that was something we were working on up until December. Um, I also, work i have worked I've done a lot of work on aluminum and aluminum toxicity, and that you know, it kind of tied me into vaccines, kind of inadvertently. And I've been following the COVID story since uh, 2020. And at the time in 2020, I was in the midst of writing a book, which is out now called Dispatches from the Vaccine Wars. Uh, came out with uh, Skyhorse, And in the midst of that, COVID launched upon the world. And so that had to be part of the book, and it became a very big part of the book. So it, it, it forced me into doing a lot of deep diving into the narrative, kind of the actual science of COVID, the actual uh, pathophysiology of COVID, the origins of the of the disease, and what's happened since, you know, especially the assaults on human rights and, and freedoms around the world. Uh, here in Canada, amongst the worst, honestly. So uh, that's kind of kind of where I where I'm coming from with all that. And then during the course of that, Todd Harris, the director of the movie Uninformed Consent, uh, was someone I got to know, and he was he had he was finishing another movie at the time called Love in the Time of COVID and it was about the death of his brother-in-law and how he you know had to come to terms with that and he put put that into the perspective of COVID. and the new movie is actually uh it's a it's a huge uh addition to his previous work and todd is todd has made a remarkable feature that i really hope people get to see so um Sorry, I, I kind of lost the thread there, David. What else was I? No, supposed that's to?
0: great. That's perfect. Yeah, just uh, and that and it's so true about the film. And Todd's a great guy, and everybody a part of it. And you guys had a nice little Q and A session for everybody yeah. in the audience because for some weird reason, that theater couldn't get its shit together that night. So we we're sitting there for like an hour and a half waiting for the film. But hey, we got to meet some great people. We had some Q and A with you guys, and you answered something. Uh, I actually got an opportunity to ask a question. I was kind of just asking you guys what you saw moving forward and everything. Um, but I liked how you responded about local, the local, uh, scene, as opposed to looking at just the federal, because this is the big conversation in Canada right now. Everybody's arguing over, do we vote Pierre in and just unite around him to get Trudeau out of there once and for all, even though we can't trust the guy and we got all these questions, we don't know for sure. He's kind of been in and out. Or do we go with Maxime, who can't even get a seat because he's probably getting shadow banned like crazy? Or do we even try at this point? The swamp is so deep in Ottawa. Do we even try to take on the federal? I mean, I'm not saying stop that, but I like your response, which was, well, while we're waiting for that to get sussed out, why don't we lo- work on a local level? Did you want to maybe start there?
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, your your audience may remember those old bumper stickers that said think globally, act locally. And I think at, at local action is really where this is going to is going to pay off for, for freedom minded communities. So, yeah, a- asking Ottawa to change its policies when, you know, Klaus Schwab happily admits that half the cabinet, the federal cabinet is is graduates uh, are graduates of the World Economic Forum. Pierre Polyev as well, apparently. And so, you know, when someone like Harper advocates for Pierre Polyev, you're just, you're just switching horses of the same, it's yep. the same wagon. So what we started talking about back in the Congress that you were at in, uh, or you were, at, I don't know, I can't remember if you were there, David, but I know you, you, were, you were going to be part of the Congress. Um, I I didn't
0: end up making it. I really feel bad because that was so awesome. But I got some of the whispers of how well it went. So maybe tell us a little bit about that. Yeah, for sure. So
1: we started looking, you know, what what are the alternatives to what we've seen in in local governance uh, over the last two and a half years? So what we've seen at all levels, governance has failed. In other words, the the democratic uh, safety net we thought we had, the, the kind of ability for people to have their charter rights and freedoms seems to have disappeared under current regimes, under both federal and, and provincial and even local. And that was a surprise to a lot of people who believe the charter was this enormous sturdy shield that you could put in front of you and it would protect you from all these government governmental overreaches and it turned out not to be true. If you were a low level criminal and the police had messed up your file, yeah, it might protect you. But when you're a population that is defying the government that wants to put something into your body that you don't want, there is very little protection offered by the charter. I mean, it should do but it doesn't. And there's almost no way to get it to do that under the current circumstances because it costs a lot of money and you have to find a lawyer and it's very time consuming, et cetera. So we started thinking, well, maybe there's a solution that's somewhere between lawsuits. I'm not saying lawsuits shouldn't go forward, they should, but it's it's not a fast fix. And waiting for someone like Polyev or others to come back and, or come forward and actually reverse some of this nonsense and that's a long it's that's, that's a long haul and you know we're not due for a federal election for years probably uh, provincial elections who knows uh, and there's there's nobody on the the mainstream political horizon that seems to be opposed to uh, apart from Bernier in the PPC who seems to be opposed to the the, the current direction of government governments to put a shot in everybody's arm and so we thought well, first of all, the stuff we're doing locally—I don't know—I think you guys in Sooke as well, but we up here in the Couch and Valley, people I know in, in the Powell River area, and the Sunshine Coast, people in the interior—are starting to build. Uh, you could call them alternative communities. They, you know, they are loosely federated, sometimes very closely uh, allied, but also just loosely federated groups of people who are taking it upon themselves to make sure they're secure. In other words, do they have food security? Do they have energy security? Do they have? transportation do they have uh, communications do they have uh, all those things you need to maintain some sort of social structure and a lot of them have done that and we have done that up here and others have done that as well so that you know we, we defined at the congress really three steps one is you know, get your get your local security under control and make your alliances locally and if it's feasible try and take back electoral control of your region and that's what we're going to some of us are going to try and do up here in the couch and uh, a lot of the seats here uh, for couch and uh, North couch and council and from Duncan council and the, the the various directorships of the region are up for are for grabs in October. So we are going to contest that uh, very actively and try and uh, change that direction because even though council does not make the health regulations, they are certainly in charge of enforcing them. So right. if we have a, if we have a council that says Bonnie Henry says jump and instead of saying how high our council says I don't think so that changes the dynamic rate very, very very dramatically and so that's what we're advocating as part of step one is people start taking control of their own their own environment and their own region and that's the way I think to get out of that immediate short-term uh, uh, entrapment that we you know we, we basically can't control what happens to us. And then step two is really the the medium term plan, where where we start making alliances with different groups in different regions. And we start thinking a little bit bigger politically.
0: So in other words, this is a
1: grassroots bottom up sort of way of approaching politics, not a top down. And I think has the most chance of success. I think when different regions simply refuse to cooperate and refuse to go along, then I think you're going to see a lot of uh, a lot of the so-called mandates and the things like that at higher levels, if they're not enforceable, then then it just ends. These can't, you know. Bonnie Henry can can huff and puff all she wants and stamp her little, you know, fluvog feet. But at the end of the day, if she hasn't got cops or health care workers to enforce it up here on the couch, and she has nothing, so she can sit down there in Victoria and 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 claim she can do anything she likes. But the reality up up here is not going to be the same at all. And so that, that you know that's certainly our our strategy for you know going forward in the fall. And then the longer term strategy is we would like to begin the discussion across the country of what do we want this country to look like? Do we want it to be the same sort of hot mess that we thought we had? You know, we thought we liked. And, you know, in, in the last two and a half years, a lot of us realized that it is a hot mess. You know, this, we've had this since 1867, and it doesn't serve us clearly. It, does, it certainly doesn't serve native people. That's that's for sure. It doesn't serve us as we've discovered. If you go against the government, you're, you're now going to get stepped on and others have seen this this is not new you know this is not news flash in canada but for a lot of people it has been a bit of a surprise um, and so that's where we think you know, you know we start at the bottom we build upwards and eventually we have enough groups that are, that are allied with us across the country and then we can have that higher level discussion what do we want to do as a country do we want to do you know, do we want to be a country or is our our alliance is going to be very local or are they going to be larger? So, and those are open questions. You know, I don't think, I I can't decide for the country what people want to do. Um, I can only decide within my own community how I want to be governed. So it's a bigger discussion and I don't think it's going to happen instantly. I think it's going to take time, but I think we have to begin that process because what we've had clearly has failed.
0: Very well said. I, I agree 100%. Uh, local is the way with this whole globalist. That's how they infiltrated and got their way originally. And we're kind of doing this over the last few decades, you know, bit yeah. by bit, taking over the regional, local mayor offices, the yeah. small little papers, you know, and that's aside from how they got into the federal government with your WEF plants and all that, just how they got, you know, into the school boards, into the police chief offices, into the media, right? So what we do is we actually take a page out of that book and start locally as well, especially with, I agree with you on the federal level. It's just a mess. And you know what? That discussion is actually starting to tear apart the freedom community in Canada because everybody's fighting over what's their best favorite uh, solution. And I'm sitting there going, I think the whole world needs to rethink how we're going to, create our societies and i think that when you really especially now with the farmer thing and i'd love to get your thoughts on what's going on with that in canada because there's a lot of talk behind the scenes i know we had the big protests on the 23rd and then there's more coming but you know now that it's the food supply Mm -hmm. And you think about farmers and there was a movement kind of loosely put together for a while to support local farmers and go to your farmers markets. But Mm -hmm. I think that's just going to ramp up as people really start to realize the effect of the government, the federal government saying, oh, we're going to shut down 30 percent of your cattle and your and your uh, fertilizer and your nitrogen, just like they're doing in the Netherlands. And, you know, just wait till there's everybody's only getting served crickets. Uh, You know, how many people are really going to go along with that? So local is really the only way we've got and that's who you're going to know you're going to know the local people like I know you you know me we meet people in different communities and when you when you're when you have local control of the of that infrastructure it's not so far away as like Ottawa or Davos you can actually have more say and more influence in your local community over these issues yeah
1: I, no, i i totally agree with you and i think that's exactly how you have to do it so for example let's say you're a uh, north couch and councilor and you vote for the the new OCP, which is we would have words about that. So, but I can go find you in the local local uh, local uh, uh, you know uh, delicate, delicatessen and say, listen, David, what the hell did you do that for? What were you thinking? Did you read? Can you read? <laughs> and then exactly. then, you're, oh, then you're immediately accountable to your to your fellow citizens. It doesn't mean you have to agree with them on everything, but you have to be accountable and you have to be there when they want to talk to you because you're representing them you know that 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 goes with a job it doesn't doesn't mean you're a slave to them it just means that if someone says knocks on my door in 6 months says what's up with the OCP I'm, i I want to be able to say listen i thought it was crap and i voted against it and if you if you disagree let's chat let's chat but that's you know i i looked at that piece of garbage and i thought there's nothing here i can support uh, apart from you know the vocal language i mean the vocal language is lovely but you know that didn't actually translate into something functional that you know, that we can the rest of us can live with so you know those kind of things, and and so I yeah I know I, I share your views that if if your representatives are local, they're accountable. It's 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 a little bit like saying, well, where do you want your forestry company to come from? Do you want it to be a local company who is going to live in the community and therefore be sensitive to watershed issues and over over harvesting, or do you want it uh, some giant American thing out of Georgia that does not give a rat's behind what happens in your community after they're done cutting all the trees down? So it's 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 almost the same discussion, really. It's the accountability level. And I think that only comes comes locally. There's also the fiction that only larger governments can solve things. Well, if you m- remember Hurricane Katrina, that was not true. By the time the feds got there, even the, the state government got there in Katrina, it, you know, stuff had stuff had been solved largely. It was local communities, it was local citizens, uh, organized and unorganized, who basically came to the rescue of New Orleans. So you don't you don't necessarily need these massive structures that are thousands of miles away to you know wait for them to come and and give you a hand. So, I mean, I think we have to re- I think we as a society need to reevaluate that. You know, maybe we've been building these giant countries or you know, c- countries in general. And maybe we need to think about what that what that really means and what that entails. And if that's the best way for humans to go forward in, into the future. And certainly based on the last two and a half years, I would have to say, no, I think it's a crappy way to go forward. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, 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 if they' nothing else they t- sure taught, taught us that that the bureaucrats that are removed from from the local scene sometimes spend too much time coming up with more nanny state stuff for us to do and and less and, and less solutions that we can ourselves enact so i think i think there needs yeah. to be a mental shift at least at least for me yeah, on. I think
0: we're all thinking about this and I love where your head's at. And this is what we need to do is keep this conversation going. Um, mm-hmm. I, I like, you know, the I hear the whispers about Alberta, Saskatchewan, some of these Western provinces just talking about, hey, we're, we're just going to leave the union. We're going to drop off the federal government. They're basically yeah. a third tit. They're useless. They don't do anything. Yeah. They're just tyrannical at this point, especially yeah. now that we know that they're overrun with people that don't even serve Canada. They serve a yeah. totally different agenda. Yeah. Um, and they have, they should all have the, they should all have to wear their sponsors, like who sponsors them. Um, but if you have the local community driven uh, farmers, like all that, I think that's going to be powerful. And I wondered what your thoughts were on that, because I believe what well, we did October 2021, there was the trucker convoy, of course, which really showed a lot of canadians that they weren't alone in questioning what was going on and wanting to get some accountability um and then it inspired people all over the world Uh, so bless the truckers but you know that got to where it could go it reached its conclusion and now it's evolving into something else we had the bikers we had uh, james top and other veterans and doctors speaking out like yourselves and others and you go all right how do we all come together And now all of a sudden we got the Netherland farmer thing kicking off. Now they're attracting other countries around Europe because we know the Netherlands supplies most of Europe with its food. And um, if they're going to start implementing these policies top down around the world against farming, I don't know what other thing you could unite around. So I feel like this will be an easier discussion to bring people into than just truckers blasting horns. It's food now. We're talking your food.
1: Food is pretty serious issue. You know, one of the reasons for moving to the Cowichan, I had you know several main reasons. One is I looked at I was living in Victoria, and I looked at what was going on, and I thought, um, number one, I don't like the atmosphere here in Victoria. It, it's a government city; too many people are too terrified, uh, and scared people make bad decisions. And I wanted to go oh, yeah. go to some place that was more independent-minded, and Cowichan certainly is. Not, there are others, of course. Uh, and then secondly, I wanted to go move to an area where food is grown. And it's not, you know, you're not dependent on just-in-time delivery at your local supermarket because when that fails either through natural disaster or or your human-made disaster or government disaster, then you're in trouble. And then, of course, you're controllable. There was an interesting article that came out some years ago, I believe, from Stanford University, and it said it was looking at the causes of why people will actually take on their governments uh, in, in violent revolution and it said it basically comes down to nine meals if you have people without food and an inability to get food for three days they're going to go out in the streets uh you that that happens everywhere so you only look at looking at what's look at what's going on in sri lanka you know these are not oh, yeah. normally people who you know want to fight with the government they just don't they're just ordinary you know working class people and they've reached a point where they they have no choice anymore and before it gets to that in various parts of Canada, I wanna be in a place where there is more food security. And hence that was a very deliberate reason to move up to the Cowichan where, you know, more food grows and people, most people have chickens and most people have fruit trees and et cetera. And yeah, you know, and, and, and there's a barter system and again, a lot more independent-minded people. So- Yeah, would you um, say
0: Cowichan? Uh, Cause when I went down to the ledge and I've come up to the amazing potlucks up there, just awesome yeah. people, yeah. Uh, Cowichan, Duncan, Uh, a lot of the rural, actually, across the entire island, because I came here from Toronto with the assumption that this was like California of Canada, BC, right? And yet when I'm here, you're like, you see that in Victoria, the major cities, Vancouver. But then you come out, although Vancouver, wow, they had a massive uh, show for the protests. eh? But it, either way, you come out to the rural and it's like totally different. It's hockey sticks and Canadian flags. It's, yeah. you know, yeah. hunters and farmers and bikers and truckers and just, yeah. just the salt of the earth. Is that what you're seeing up in your area?
1: Absolutely. It's funny because a lot there's a lot of old hippies too. So the, one of the terms oh, I, I learned when I first moved up here was rippy. I don't know if you've heard the term. It stands for redneck uh-huh. hippie, redneck hippie. So I mean, oh, no. and, and the valley is full of redneck hippies. You got people with dreads, you know, who've got a shotgun in the back of the truck. You know, <laughs> it's, it's it's the pretty best funny. of both worlds. The best <laughs> of both worlds, and, you know, they can take care of themselves and they're going to grow their hair as they want to. OK, <laughs> that's great. So, you know, there is a lot more and it it, it crosses left, right boundaries very neatly because it's not about that. And then, I, I, you know, I've from someone I think, you know, it used to be fairly lefty. Uh, i'm recognizing now you know as as per one of those memes you see someone says you know you're holding up a bird says you do realize the left wing and the right wing are part of the same bird right and they are
0: <laughs> right yeah so
1: you know and the left the left has gone so stupid and so reaction you know, hate to say it reactionary uh that they're you know they they exist to deplatform platform people and to you know push a, basically a transhumanist agenda that is not terribly intelligent. And you know, you're really finding in and, and you know uh, you know people who you would normally have assumed to be more right wing are just ordinary concerned citizens who just want to live their lives and have let you live your life. And I think you're seeing a lot more of that. People are rejecting those labels. And and that's 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 particularly good at when you're looking at local elections because labels tend to be fairly meaningless. You know, in, in Vancouver Victoria not so much, but in, in Vancouver they actually they run parties there. You know the the cope is still running against NPA against you know whatever the other thing is whatever uh, Kennedy's party is. So you know the 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 politics up here are a lot more independent minded. So when we're talking about running candidates, we're talking about running an independent slate, but we're not we're not mm-hmm. a party. We don't want to go down that path. You know someday that can happen, I suppose. But we we're talking about our you know, our our groupings being kind of united independents. You know we yes we're working for the same same goals. We want to. You know, clear out a lot of the deadwood in the in the city council and district council, but we also we you know, we also want to keep the values that a lot of us moved up to the valley for. Now we want we we do not want urban sprawl. We want food security. We don't want to be uh, you know we, we don't want to be in a place where you can never do anything because you've got a nanny state a city government. Uh, you know there has to be a a a, a more intelligent solution. And that's why people are stepping forward to actually run for these jobs, because there is, I think, the perception that we can do a lot better. Uh, Certainly can't do any worse, that's for sure.
0: Uh, so we can do that. <laughs> well, I love what you're saying, because I think everybody's reassessing where they find themselves politically. I mean, I've always been more of a center right type of person, mm-hmm. I guess, if, I, if someone was to pin me down. But then I sit back and I go, yeah, but there's something called classical liberalism. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is night and day from what you're seeing today. I think they stole the yeah. word liberal and just repackaged it. They they and I feel like maybe, yeah. Yeah. maybe on the left, politically, they were a little more open for attack because they're a, they're against borders of any kind. And there's not it's kind of pie in the sky a little bit, a lot of empathetic people, which is great, but they can be led by their emotions, which is what happened with COVID. And yet you can also have that really cold, unfl- unflinching right mindset that can be too much that so so that way. So I look at it like maybe we're in a time where we're gonna redo the way politics is even looked at in society, the way I government show. is thought of, and there's gonna be a merging of this masculine, feminine, left, right, you know, kind of extremes. And now everybody's like, look, we all just want to be left alone by government and left mm-hmm. alone from each other, but we still want to have community. So mm-hmm. we need to have something based on the fact that an individual has rights, has free speech, mm-hmm. is to be left alone, has property rights, but also we do live in a community um, and we need to make sure that you know we're taking care of each other, especially around the food issue, like that's gonna be the first thing. And so maybe, maybe that's how that works, where you kind of have these two polar opposites that battle it out for so long, mm-hmm. and then eventually a new, better merged type of version of that can come forward. Uh, and usually that happens in times of crisis, yeah? And guess what we're in?
1: So it, precisely. and, and, <laughs> exactly. and so, so yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think, you know, people are, I hope we're going to start talking to each other across the very artificial divide and people who are on the left or the right will realize that really there's not that much that separates you from your fellow citizens if they believe in democracy, if they believe in justice, if they believe in uh, the law, you know, some sort of uh, lawful um, uh, society, uh, if they believe in you know, justice for everyone and if, if you do those things then it really doesn't matter what you labeled yourself as before or if you voted for harper or whoever the, the liberal guy was at, so there's so many of them uh and, and those things are irrelevant now because you know whatever whatever i mean some some of my closest friends up here now are police officers okay or you know retired or being being retired and which is odd for me as a kind of an ardent former lefty, as you think, I would never have imagined that in 2022, my best buddies would be cops. And, <laughs> and they're looking at it the same way. They're going, I never would imagine back in my, you know, in 2022, my best buddy would be a former radical. So, oh, okay. So maybe that's all in the past. That's, you know, that's just left behind. Forget that. Yeah, that was then. This is now. We're in new reality. We've seen the powers that be and who they are. We know, now know who they are. Just you know, Justin, you know the Justin Trudeau obeys Klaus Schwab and Bonnie Henry obeys Klaus Schwab and you know, et cetera. So now we, now we know who's who in the zoo. And so now we can adjust our alliances appropriately to combat that and realize that we're all you know, they don't, you know kind of the shopworn expression, we're all in this together. Well, we kind of are all in this in this together. But if they've thrown us into this place where we have to make a choice about what society is going to look like when it's over, I think we we need to take the reins on that. We cannot leave it to Klaus Schwab and Justin Trudeau and what's-his-face Macron and et cetera to decide on the Great Reset. If we do, our children are not going to be free human beings. Our grandchildren, certainly. So, you know that old expression, when kids do stuff, it forces you to be a parent.
0: You know you know how that works? Yep. You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I'm getting a crash course in that now. i got two young girls, Chris.
1: Okay, well, I've got three little ones. I've got an eight, six, and two-year-old, and they oh, they wow. make me parent every day and i I think what government has done in the last two and a half years at every level has forced us as citizens to look on this and say you know i think we need to keep a little bit tighter grip on this you know we just we just assumed we all got lazy i'm i'm one of the lazy ones that we also you know if i show up at the polls every four years whatever level and i vote i've done my duty and i'll just you know i'll go off and drink beer and and the politicians will do their thing and if i don't like what they've done in four years i'll vote against them next time. Well, you know, that there's more to citizenship than that, you know, so what we're really, I think discussing is, you know, what, what, what would you call it if you had local societies that were essentially independent and choose their alliances? You know, in other words, society, you know, community X chooses to ally confederally with community B 10 miles down the road. And, you know, that's essentially the situation you have in northeast Syria with the Kurdish and Yazidi and Christian population. They choose to ally. They don't have to. But they see it as a benefit for them for their own security and their protection. They they do this deliberately. They don't have to. In other words, no, no one in a Kurdish village goes over to a Christian community and tells them what to do at all. They just say, look, we have a common enemy. We have common things we need to do. Aren't we better to do them together? And they And, and then they choose, yes or no. And most people choose yes, but the people who choose no, well, fine. You know, good luck, have fun, come back when you change your mind. And so, I would like to see something like that emerge in Canada because I think our democratic structure is just a mess. Um, I, I don't agree. think it's democratic. I don't think it's democratic at all. When, when 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 someone like Trudeau can bring in an emergencies act, you do not have a democratic government. Government, you know. Um, that, that, yeah, that, and that they're
0: breaching. It. I mean, they're even breaching their own laws, and it's like you said, the the, the protections of the charter failed. Um, even though we could make an argument that they, they, they're they there and everybody's trying to think, well, should we write a new charter? I think at the po- at, we're at the point where we're beyond pieces of paper. We have to take action here. We have to live the Constitution. We have to live free. Yeah. You got to yeah. like, like that, like different yeah. religious groups that have been fighting each other for thousands of years are coming together to unite over food uh, availability, freedom, you know, all of these things. Uh, different political parties that would have never spoken to each other are all becoming best buddies because we're finding common ground as human beings. It's almost like we needed this, uh, needed to come up against this leviathan uh, in order to have that activated. And maybe even though this is horribly dark and we we're, we're going to get into you know how we think things are going to go down, especially with all these shots and everything, but we kind of needed this wake up call. And we're just hoping we can get enough people. Around some basic central pillars, we don't have to agree on everything, but we can agree on freedom, and we can agree that when it comes down to trusting a greasy politician or trusting a farmer, I personally recommend going with the farmer. I don't know. I I'd, I'd, I'd join
1: you in that. Also, I'm going to tell you a story from the Syrian um, Syrian situation. Sure. Okay, so 2019, the, the Turks, who dislike the Kurds in general and dislike the revolution in Rojava, northeast Syria, basically invaded again. And various groups went in to fight the, the Kurdish invasion. And one of these was a Marxist, Leninist, anarchist group. You know, we got kind of like the, you know, they're a kind of international Legion you know, there people rotate through that. Um, and so these guys, you know, you can, you know, can guess what their politics are and guess what their you know, mentality is in a lot of things. And, you know, but, you know, but they're dedicated to the, the Rojava revolution. You know, in other words, this the bottom up democracy that's based on justice, based on equality. So, during that invasion, there was a Christian medic group called the Free Burma Rangers that came into Rojava as medics. And they are, as you can imagine, they are very fundamentalist Christian. They are fairly right-wing in their attitudes. And yet they and the anarchist Marxist group became buddies because it was the Christian Christian medic group that was the one that was ferrying supplies to in the front lines and taking back mm. the wounded okay and the anarchist uh anarchist uh group recognized this and it was like wow you guys are amazing i I we don't care what you believe about your fundamentalist beliefs we don't care what you think about social stuff we you're 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 our allies because you're you're keeping us alive here and vice versa and so so the the christian group really appreciated the anarchist group in the end and you know i don't think they're gonna go to each other's weddings but Man, it was it was interesting to see how you know you unifying against a common threat and a common enemy was really really worthwhile. And there's that you know an old Kurdish uh, what not a young Kurdish uh, writer named Dilar Dirak uh, was talking about solidarity. She, solidarity, she says, solidarity is not charity; it's self-defense. And that's you know that's that's really how you have to look at it. You know, what you, you know, it, yes, you you're not going to agree with all the people you ally with. But you're you're going to they are going to be part of your self-defense plan, whether it's yeah. how to grow food, whether it's uh, currency exchange, whether it's physical protection, whether it's anything, because you share more than than the more unites you than divides you. And I think we're gonna see a lot of that coming forward. Yeah. And That's I don't have to, I don't have to agree with everybody about, you know, everything here. I mean, you know, they obviously there, you, you you define early on what you call the basis of unity. Are are we dealing with people that truly are Horrible racists and Nazis and things like that. Well, I'm not gonna, you know, those are not people I'm gonna work with. But right. people who who left-wing, white-wing, left, wing, white wing, left right-wing, middle of the wing, you know, whatever, whatever wing, you know, who disagreed on on those kinds of things, that's trivial. That doesn't mean anything anymore. So if if, if though you know those people can protect me and I can protect them, why wouldn't we do it? And then I think we're gonna have to do that. I think that we're gonna have to become self-reliant not only in food but also in governance. I don't I don't see the government at any level ever coming around until they get replaced
0: yeah i'm with you man and i like it because yeah there's many periods of time where enemies have had to ally against a greater enemy um it's kind of like game of thrones where you got the white walkers encroaching to take everybody out while they're all squabbling over power amongst themselves with these different families and eventually you just go what can we just unite against this enemy because otherwise we're all gone you'll have nothing to fight over this is where we're at and um you know i've got my opinions everybody's got theirs but i'm here to say Let's unite around the truth about what's happening in our time and try to find a way to work together where we support freedom um, and we you know, are trying to rebuild our country because these politicians and these media orgs and the people above them, they know very well how to divide and conquer the people and keep them in this mass formation, keep them divided against each other based on illusions. And you find when you actually sit down I mean, even though we're dealing with the media and the way they put those headlines into people's minds, and it's kind of hard to talk through some of these issues because of that, when you talk to people human to human, you realize you do have more in common than you think. And I start with, I mean, being a parent, I start with just talking about my kids, you know, like my my family. There's people in my family don't agree with me on a lot of stuff, but we have kids. We're parents. So there's a great place to find common ground, and then it can evolve from there. And as a country... And wherever you're listening to in the world we're all having this conversation as a country or a community uh this is what we need to start discussing um now aside from that unless you got anything more on that i wanted to talk a little about the film get into your thoughts on where we're at with the pandemic and all of that but maybe wrap up that little that little
1: you mentioned at the beginning that we do have a farmers uh event or strike right. happening in the netherlands and i think The same way they supported us with our convoy and with other things that people have done here in canada i think we owe them to support them as well because if they fail there the pressure on our own farmers is going to become even more intense uh and you know in 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 the netherlands the the prime minister is very much a graduate of the of the wef and he's going to try and destroy independent farming and exactly as we know that trudeau and and his ministers will try and do here so you know we we need to again this is self defense we need to back up the, the Netherlands farmers with everything we have because they are at a crucial stage in their in their own struggle and if we let them go down it's going to be harder for us so that, that was just like so you know this is part of that you know yes you make your regional alliances you make your you know uh, uh, national alliances but also it's a world war David as you know and so the the world war needs to have a, needs all of us to have allies everywhere we need you know that we have to fight it everywhere and therefore i mean I, I can't go to the netherlands and fight physically there but i can i can support those who are and vice versa so you know that, that's where i think a lot of energy needs to happen in the next you know before the in, in september there's the worldwide rally and i would yes, like December i think of, it is i'm not sure of, the day. yeah i'd like to see a lot of groups reaching out across you know in international boundaries and say you know we we're, we're, we're we believe the same stuff let's you know let's fight together I hope
0: well, we need it because we were talking a little off air about how um, we're both feeling that fall is a major, a major point uh, in this war. And they're going to try to go. You can see the rhetoric right now. And maybe you can give me your thoughts on this. They're drumming up. It seems like they're going with a shotgun effect of crises right now. So it's uh, you know all the B45.6 variants or whatever, the ninja variants, the you know people are having heart attacks because they're fluffing their tillo- pillows, drinking hot tea, all the nonsense you're seeing. Then you got your monkeypox. Uh, then you got your what's that other name they gave the next variant. Uh, then you got the climate change. I think they're. We saw from Veritas, the sort of leaked video talking to the director of CNN who was saying, yeah, we're going to totally pivot to climate change and just start talking about climate. And we're seeing it happen. It's yep. almost like it's all coordinated. And so they're just going with a shock fear campaign while avoiding the actual things we need to be worrying about. Like how the hell do we help repair these people that have taken these jabs and what do we do, right? But, um, you know, what do you if you're sitting here watching a chess game, this is how I see it, right? How do you call the game right now? Where do you think we're at with where they're going to go? Are they, and Maybe just from Canada. Do you think that they're going to start with bringing the masks back to try to bring the fear? Um, do you think that it's going to happen sooner than later? Or are they going to wait till September, October to start rolling things out? How important do you think the fall is in this battle we're in? I think the fall
1: is extremely important. We're already seeing the little hints you see, you know, Bonnie has made, Bonnie Henry has made the hint that yes, we may have to bring back the mandates and may have to bring the restrictions. You hear it, you hear it from the uh, federal ministers as well. Um, I would think that, you know, in the fall, you you get the uptick of respiratory diseases in general. um, And I think you're going to see that Driving the Bonnies to say, well, we have to, we must control this. So we're back to masks, we're back to you know, social distancing, we're back to isolation, we're back to pushing the boosters on more people. You know, in, in all in the face of the the fact that these things really don't work. But again, remember they've never really been about health, they've been about control from the beginning. Um, and so I think we're, I think we're going to see, you're definitely going to see that they, you know, they're already talking about, what are we in the seventh wave now? I can't even remember which wave now. It's, I, can't, like,
0: I can't even keep track, man. You know, <laughs> it's you
1: know, seventh wave. And the seventh wave consists almost entirely of vaccinated people, double vaccinated, triple vaccinated, quadruple vaccinated people. And yet su- su- supposedly more vaccines is a solution to that. And when you watch someone like Trudeau, you know, smile at you and say, well, I had my two shots and my boosters, but I got COVID so I'm going to go isolate. You know, you and ignored. Biden
0: and Dan, and all of and it. they're all going in. All yeah, it.
1: and so you know, part of it, you know, it has leaders there. They're pretty, pretty crappy leaders and cowards because they're afraid of their own people. But this is this is kind of highlighting the fact that this is they are not letting go of this narrative. It's it's got to be there's only one way. The only way is through a shot in every arm and not just one, but two, three, four, five, six, seven, whatever. And they're not going to relent. And as they get their eighth wave or ninth wave, whatever it'll be by October, you know, as they confuse, as they have done before influenza and other respiratory illnesses with COVID, all those things are going to drive the pressure on them to, to crack down again. And this is, this is, you know, I think we talked about this once a while back, you know, called the sunk cost fallacy. It's where Mm -hmm. essentially government, you know, people as well, but governments refuse to accept that they've screwed up somehow. And rather than admit they screwed up and try and find some sort of solution, they just keep doing the same thing. And, you know, Bonnie Henry is a classic example of that. She cannot admit that everything she has done is wrong. Um, And so maybe they've
0: got leverage on these people. Maybe some of them are, we don't know where it's at. Maybe they've been threatened. Maybe we don't know. It's, it's, it's crazy to see.
1: Or maybe as Todd, uh, I think, I know, Stephen Malthouse said in the film, you know, Bonnie Henry, she may not be the sharpest knife in the drawer. She's not. Yeah. And so, you know, you tell her what to do. She's going to just mimic it. And that's her job. So she's scared
0: she's of scared. something because she shakes oh. like a leaf every time she talks. And I didn't notice that as much before. And so it's kind of like you're wondering, you know, which one Ford and all these people. You got Deborah Burks in the U.S. coming out and admitting, oh, we knew the vaccines weren't going to work, but we just, it's like, what is happening, man? It's just... Well, right. okay, so,
1: so think of your Matthias Desmond characterization. So the people like yeah. us that are on this side of the house are not going to get the vaccines no matter what because we've seen through you know the, the, the Great Reset. Uh, the people on the other side, the opposite side, who will take every vaccine you give them. And then there's a lot of people in the middle. And it's the people in the middle. It kind of really depends what they do. And that's why... Mm-hmm. Power of this movie is it reaches out to them. It basically it's talking to them, and it shows how a lot of people like the woman in the, in the movie who died. It shows how a lot of people didn't want to be where they wound up. They they were forced. They were coerced. They they could lose their jobs. They could lose you know, whatever, uh, and then, you know employment in general, because the government was not going to relent, and the in the various bureaucracies were not going to relent. As in my case at at, at UBC. So um, I actually, I can't remember. Do we actually answer that question about UBC? I forget.
0: Oh, no, maybe. Yeah, I, I can't remember. But maybe just quickly, what did they do? Okay, today? so just, just
1: basically, my chairman, uh, my chairman called me up in, there, there'd been, a, there'd been a, um, um, an email that went out to all the faculty and students and faculty in early summer last year, about this time last year, and it said, you're going to be asked in the next couple weeks to j- disclose your vaccine status you got it you didn't get it or you're not not disclosing so i sent back not disclosing it's not your business and then a couple months later my chairman calls me and he says well you haven't disclosed your status i'm taking that to mean that you didn't get the vaccines and i said you could take it that way and he said well um if you don't get it you have two weeks if you don't get the first of the vaccines and tell me when you're going to get the second we're going to have to put you on unpaid leave okay so I said, okay, yeah. So that's what you got to do what you got to do. I'm not doing it. I'm not, you know, I, I had I had COVID 19 back in 2020. I'm not going to take the vaccine because that is very hazardous to my health. Not to mention, I don't like being told what to put in my body. So you know, do what you're going to do. And, and you're not
0: a threat. You're the you're the safest and, guy in the room, Chris.
1: And uh, yeah, precisely. And he he doesn't understand natural immunity, so that was a bit of a problem. Talking to him was like talking to you know my daybook. You know, my daybook knows more stuff. Um, so I was I was kind of frustrating. And and then. Uh, a couple weeks later, they basically said, "Okay." Uh, back in early December, they said, "Okay, you're 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 on administrative unpaid leave, and you're not allowed to make any any decisions about your laboratory or about your staff or anything like that. That'll that'll be handed over to someone else." And so, a grant that we were working on to look at Lou Gehrig's disease, to look at as early phase biomarkers, so you could actually do something useful about Lou Gehrig's disease, got stopped. It just it just paralyzed. And I couldn't. I couldn't direct the research. I couldn't uh, control the money. So basically, the the, the uh, experiment died. So those are the kind of things that happen. I'm still on unpaid leave, and I'm just waiting for the HR you know little notice going. Well, guess what? You're terminated. Bye bye. Um, you know there will be legal action, but you know that that you know again that's that, that's down the line. So uh, like a lot of and people. And maybe
0: just to jump in there, Chris, you could explain that a lot of people might not know that in Canada apparently the federal level dropped the mandate on their federal employees but yep. the province of British Columbia is clinging onto that like like with a death grip so even if the federal government if you're a federal government the provincial government is still following that mandate
1: well it's even more ridiculous because you know again I'm a UBC professor at VGH but what that what that means is that I have to get the, va- the, the double vaxed and probably now triple to order to walk into my laboratory but if I were on main campus and if I weren't seeing patients that wouldn't apply you don't they don't even have the uh, the the the, ret- the quick test anymore. so it's so you it's can walk around
0: difficult. amongst all these students they're all hustle bustle but in your nice private little lab where you have maybe a couple other people in there that that's is right. a danger that's going to cost you your job
1: I can't walk in the door because who knows what would happen if I walked in the door of a, a la- of a building that does not actually see patients could you know virus is wow. very clever. It could it could just jump down the street to VGH itself, and uh, you know who knows what kind of havoc it would create there. So yeah, it, it's the
0: smartest it's, virus ever. I mean, it's very smart. It is, it
1: is. Uh, but you know, in 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 a bar setting, of course, it's very nice if you're holding a beer, or at least we found out last year when Bonnie told us to make sure we had our mask on unless we were sitting down. Yeah. So yeah, and and anyway, that that's basically my status. And, and it, it, you know, it it didn't take me uh more than about a microsecond to decide what i was going to do so i'm I'm sitting here waiting to get terminated but that's fine that's um if that's the way university thinks is the best way to treat its faculty then you know then they're going to lose a lot of people if if, it's the same with with the police it's the same with the ferry workers it's the same with the hospital workers it's the same with almost everything they're losing people they're bleeding people because a people have become sick because they're taking the vaccines and b a lot of people Certainly, a significant number of people are saying no, we're not doing it. So you want know, to fire me? Fire yeah. me, you know. And good, good. Have fun operating your your bus service without uh, all the people in it.
0: Yeah. My 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 guys that come pick up my recycling, they're they're now they used to be on the spot every week. Everybody puts the recycling out. We pay them. It's a private thing, yeah. and they've been late every week, like two days late. The recycling just sitting out there because they're short staffed, no doubt. And yeah. it's just you're seeing it affecting everything, it and really- yet people are still not cluing in, and. You know, so have you gotten any more harassment? For you because you came, you're doing interviews, you're going to premieres, you're in documentaries. Have you gotten any yeah, of flack for that?
1: Well, no, because since they're going to terminate me anyway, they probably don't care. It's like whatever, right. you know. And, and so if, if if it ever got to court, they say, well, you know, you were right on the edge anyway, so we were going to get you anyhow. Maybe you know, well, we may never find out. I, I think I'll, they'll just be a little email from uh, human resources that says, bye bye. Um, Movie, but anyway, let me jump back into yeah. The movie. Let's do the movie, yeah. Look, the movie is really, really important because I think, as I ex- you know, I expressed to you before, um, I'm on the and the, and the uh, Canada COVID Care Alliance's advisory board, um, and we spend a lot of time discussing the science of the various things that Bonnie and others are are trying to force down everyone's throats. Uh, and discussing a lot of the emerging literature. Um, trying to think where I was going with that thought. Um,
0: uh, just to, just you, your COVID Care Alliance, which shout out to COVID Care Alliance. Awesome yeah, people. They, they, um, they do a lot. Yeah. Um, and you're, you're basically looking at the science and now it's evolved into a film.
1: And it's now evolved into a film. And so I think, okay, so th- this kind of comes back to where, you know, where is the... Now, where what's the temperature check out there in the world with, you know, the, the different uh, Matthias Desmond groupings? I think a lot of people who took the shots or coerced into it or someone in their family took it and got hurt. We're beginning to see a shift there. That's where that's where we're seeing the, the change. Um, someone of the three people who helped us set up for the film the other night, two of them before wouldn't talk to us. We, we tried to do this about two months ago, a month and a half ago. This time they were coming to the audience. One of the other ones who was there through the whole thing, basically uh, came came talk to talk to us a week ago, wearing a mask and very 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 nervous and very scared of what you know being around people like us. And the other night she was coming up and shaking her hands and and talking about how much she learned. So I wow. think there is there are some cracks appearing. Um, I think it's going to become more acute as they keep pushing for children to get vaccinated. Which i think is probably the world's stupidest idea um and i think we're going to see a lot a lot of people who would otherwise say yes i got my shots i got my boosters all that stuff but no i'm not going to inject my four-year-old i'm just not going to do that so i think where where the change will come is in a lot of people who are pressured to go beyond what they've already done and are going to recognize that these measures don't make any sense as, you know four-year-olds do not transmit the disease four-year-olds do not routinely get the disease why would you inoculate a four-year-old etc and, and yet they that, that that's what they want to do and that of course is going to lead to a lot of skepticism well it can't be for health reasons so it's not that so what could it be but i mean you know why why would you inject people with the with the, another another booster of the wuhan variant when we're so past that the wuhan variant doesn't exist anymore you know why, why are you giving it against the omicron variant or you know b5 or whatever, whatever you know, whatever alphabet soup are up to. So,
0: um, I think so the you know, film I- is timed well then, because if that's happening, which I see it, I hear the rumblings, everybody's talking about it. Um, uh, my wife just told me she still keeps her Facebook account just to just to kind of like watch the madness and see what's going on in her friend circles. And every day she logs in, she tells me she sees rest in peace, rest in peace, rest in peace, rest in peace, yeah. rest in peace. Oh. And she's like, wow. And so now people are, it as you said it's hitting everybody more close to home they're really starting to sit back and think and now they got to start thinking about food with the farmer thing this film comes out this film is going to be i mean it it actually i learned things watching this film so by no means should anybody think oh i kind of know all the covid stuff i don't know you need to see the film it's so good there's a powerful story that runs through the whole thing that you know made me kind of cry a little a few times in that theater um but it, it needs to be told these are the real stories happen to real people and the power of a film like this is that it can go viral and it can hit people at the right time because yep. maybe they didn't watch plandemic maybe they didn't they missed the whole thing they missed all the warnings from david martin and carrie Madey and you and so many others but now they're like okay what's going on and they're gonna come and here's this film to say oh let me show you around you know
1: Exactly. well that's precisely it because a lot of the discussion so far has been political scientific legal and you know people like me or steve pellick or the others in canada covid care alliance you know debating or discussing some recent bonnie henryism or uh, teresa tamism or something like that and i think most people they don't care i mean or if, if maybe they do but you know they, they don't understand the science so they you know is bonnie more right than we are or are we more more right than bonnie but this, the movie, doesn't do that. It it goes for your heart, and it it, it you know it, it this is this this was a real person, and her real partner, and she died because of something that Bonnie Henry caused, do, you know, the government to do and and, and uh, corporations to do. So you know there is a price to be paid for this. It's not abstract. It's not just theoretical. It's not like you know you get three or four. It's not that. It's it's real people being hurt in real time by these, these uh, diktat. And I think that's where you're going to get, you know, a lot of people are going to start to wake up when that when that happens. One of the things I should mention is that someone came up to me after the showing and she works as a funeral director up here in Duncan. And she said, you need to look at how many stillbirths there have been since uh, the pregnant women were allowed or told to get the vaccine. And apparently it's, it's grown rather considerably. So that's definitely something we intend to pursue. Uh, if, if, if that's true, uh, and, and, you know, we suspected it was because the, the papers that have come out from the mainstream media about uh, how the safety of the, of the vaccine for, for infants and for pregnant mothers is, is sloppy beyond belief. So I'm not surprised. But you know, we, we're trying to get some, some, some serious numbers that we can actually show it in contrast. In other words, how many stillbirths were there in the province of British Columbia in 2020? How many in mm-hmm. 2021? And I think you're going to see a vast increase in 2021 and 2022.
0: Well, it makes sense because on Monday's show, I covered the clip of Fauci mm-hmm. uh, talking about the menstrual bleeding. He calls it, all oh, the menstrual thing. He's trying to brush it off. Menstrual and thing. he basically admits, oh, we need to study it more. And you're yes. like, no, no, no. You, you study it before you inject the future generation and all the mothers that are carrying children with the thing you don't study yeah. it after you done. It. like how are you admitting this and yeah. you, you hear stories of people that have had uh, especially with, well obviously with women who are the only ones that can have the menstrual cycle uh they are uh according having issues new, according to with-
1: the new openness
0: Oh, I know the wokeness, but, you oh, know,
1: correct you. you're slipping <laughs> off your PC. No people
0: sales. with menstrual cycles, no, no, women that having menstrual cycle irregularities. And even, um, you know, we've had other doctors that have been speaking about how just being in the faci- pregnant women being in the vicinity or women trying to get pregnant, being yeah. in the vicinity of vaccinated people were having irregular menstruals. Yeah. And so people are just these scientists are putting together the data that they can. They don't obviously mm-hmm. don't have the funding anymore to try to figure out what's going on. And now you got Fauci just going, yeah, we got to study it more. It's like, whoa. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So Anthony, you know, newsflash Anthony, when you got to study it more, you stop the trials while you're studying it. And then, yeah, uh, he he knows this, but I, you know, he's, I think he's a little bit too far down that rabbit hole here to, to back up. Um, Well, Fauci has a long, I mean, as, as you know, if you've read Kennedy's book, you know, there's a, there's a long track record here of, of, uh, his manipulations of, of, of science and of medicine. So yeah. this is not his first one. So, but anyway, the movie, the movie is great and I really hope your audience will go see it. I, you know, the idea is to make it as widely available as possible. Um, I know the Kennedy group is come on as co-producers. So that should help. We're having a, I think there's a, a showing on Friday on the Kennedy Kennedy uh, website. Now I'll send all these just
0: live showings right now or can people watch that online uh, anytime you want i think people,
1: I, I do believe people can now watch it online uh, okay. if they have the links. and i think the links are out there now um which is i'm gonna you know,
0: find we- that i i'm gonna talk to chris he's got all that and i'll put it all yeah. up on my social media and i'm also gonna bring the producers on and we'll get it up because i want to make sure people know where to go watch it um they do have a website right now but uh it is good he's getting in with uh is what's the childhood defense what does he call yeah. his uh network yet? Yeah.
1: Yeah um uh, what's it called uh, children's health defense yeah children's health defense yeah and i yeah, think he will sure gonna... get
0: on big tree and all those big shows that's right he's going to
1: be on yeah. big tree so more people will see it you know my you know my concern of course is really the children i think the adults you know, the adults at least maybe made a bad decision but that was their decision to make with the children it's it's very scary and you know one of the things yeah. i studied yeah. before covid some of my last publications um were on uh, autism spectrum disorder and we were looking at you know the impact of aluminum in vaccines on that but i think you know when you have a developing nervous system and you throw a curveball like this at it uh just with the autoimmune component that is coming out so much in the adult work i think you're asking for an enormous amount of grief in young children i think you're going to have serious neurological problems this is one of those areas where i would really 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 like to be wrong and i don't think i am Uh, you know obviously time will tell but i think you're i think you're going to have a an awful lot of of sick damaged children which worries me a lot because i don't know what what, you know it kind of begs the question for the adults and the children what do you do about it and i don't think anyone knows
0: nobody knows but hey if we can finally you know you got to admit there's a problem before we can fix it so we need we need to wrap up the the corruption aspect and the incompetence aspect however people want to look at it and then we can get to the solutions And, and i know there's many there has to be so, um, but Chris, I know your time is valuable. You've got some stuff coming up and I want to thank you for jumping in and, and covering this with me. That was a great conversation. Let's do it again sometime soon. Uh, any closing thoughts as we say bye to everybody here? Well,
1: this is, this is, you know, people ask me why I do this. This is one of, one of the reasons this is my eight-year-old boy, Caius, and it's my, my job to protect him. And here comes my six-year-old daughter. I'll show you her too. Come here, six-year-old daughter. And these these are the main reasons I, I do what I do because it's certainly not lucrative and it actually subtracts jobs, doesn't add them. <laughs> and-
0: well, thank you for doing it. Oh, so you, you need more you, for you to do it. It's awesome. You, you
1: got to fight for your family and fight yep. for your community. And that's, that's pretty much why I'm, I'm, I'm in this.
0: I'm with you, man. Fighting to the end. Let's go win this and we'll stay in touch and let's do it again soon. If you have any updates, please let me know. And uh, as I said, everybody, I'm going to have more people come on about the film. We'll talk more about it and uh go support the farmers let's get out there the get room. into absolutely. your communities support the farmers, yeah absolutely that's right all right man you have a good one thank you so much and we'll catch you again soon chris thank okay. you thanks david appreciate it all right cheers oh wow that's awesome i'll just wrap up with you guys here for a minute check out your comments um just a great guy oh thank you to lupe de lupe over on the foxhole for the shades much appreciated um Awesome. Awesome. Thanks to everybody that's uh, showed up here. Please help share this interview out. I mean, people need to hear p- scientific experts talking about this stuff so that because this is just how they think. I need an expert. I trust the science. Well, here's some science for you. You listen to people like Dr. Chris Shaw and so many others that I'm going to be bringing in. Um, and I've got a whole playlist that's still available over on my Rockfin channel called the Corona Chronicles. And those were all the interviews that I conducted during 2020 uh covering uh, this and uh, I've, i've obviously continued to add to it there's so many good people out there doing media like this and shout out to all of you guys on the front lines on your channels on your doing podcasts doing interviews uh keep doing it just keep doing it keep putting this frequency out there and to all of you brave people from police military government medicine Uh, I get paramedics messaging me all the time. I get amazing people. There are amazing people working. even in. There's people walking away from the CDC right now. There's people walking away from the mainstream news right now because they see it. Uh, Pilots, I got to get the free-to-fly guys on. I got to remind myself of that. I got to contact the free-to-fly people. Um, From everywhere, there are humans waking up and fighting back. You can't just wake up. We got to fight back. We all have kids or at least we see the importance hopefully of helping the younger generation to to continue to survive and thrive so it's all hands on deck and this is why i do so much work in this field podcasting i'm on my social media every day all day in and out uh sharing making jokes keeping it light getting conversations starting getting into debates having serious discussions That's what's going to save it. That's what's going to help us get to where we all want to get to. And then I love how Chris was talking about the local solutions. I think that's the way to go. Let me know what you guys think. I mean, I'm not saying don't vote in the federal elections. You pick your champion and go with it. But uh, in the end, what are these politicians going to do anyways? The people, you and I right now, we're the ones that make this thing run. We make the economy run. I know they're all talking about replacing us with robots, but screw them. It's not going to work. Uh, nothing can compare to human intelligence when it's fully activated, that is. Um, and we need to just keep speaking it. We need to keep coming together with our families, our communities. Don't give up on the people in your family and friend circles that are you feel are lost. Don't give up. Don't give up. Uh, just keep speaking the truth. And I think right now we're hitting a point where we're not this minority anymore. And it's just growing it's growing and growing. And so don't give up on hope. Don't give up hope. I know sometimes people feel like this is all hopeless because of how frightening it is. I believe in my heart that there's going to be a solution to even the people that have taken the jab, the the jabs, but we can't get anywhere without us being able to get the truth going critical mass and people can see it. And then we can really get all of our heads together to try to figure out how to fix it. And, um, you know, the old thing goes, the old saying goes, every problem that humans have created, we can solve. It's also, there's, a, there's a way to solve all these problems, guys. There's already been great, brilliant thinkers in the world of philosophy, politics, uh, history, health, medicine. All these things have already been put out for us and we can revamp it and make it something that's going to work in our time. So what I'm going to do is just keep doing shows like this uh, to give you guys some more ammo, interviewing experts having these discussions uh and uh i hope you'll join me in this fight and never never quit because we can win the truth always wins so thank you so much guys i will catch you soon what's coming up next uh don't have anybody booked quite yet for next week but i'm sure i'll be announcing very soon some more interviews on this vein and then um taking a little trip to ontario with the family for a bit and I'm going to meet some great people. And uh, I'll be doing some more content over on my, my telegram and my social media. Um, also, just released a really great series on Unslaved, the Unslaved podcast. It's a premium podcast. You can get it over at unslaved.com. And we are doing a discussion on childhood development, child psychology, education, pros and cons of homeschooling, private schooling, unschooling, all these different discussions because as uh, Chris was saying, they're the children of the future, and we need to put all of our resources in and make sure we correct past mistakes, raise them right, teach them morals and values, teach them how to find the truth. And uh, so some really good discussions going on over there. We're also going to be bringing on some good guests coming up on that platform, so stay tuned. And of course, go check out Cult of the Medics, another series that's just another, I mean, it might be a little more advanced for uh, certain people. So this film uninformed consent could be a really good day one course for people that you're meeting that are just kind of slowly waking up and then hit them with cult of the medics to take them all the way down the rabbit hole. <laughs> and I wish you had the best of luck with that, but cult of the medics.com. Thank you guys so much for your great encouragement, your donations, your support for sharing it out without you. Um, this work would be meaningless. So thank you guys so much for tuning in and I will catch you again soon here on truth Warrior. have a great one, everybody. Cheers.